This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. Takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. Hello and welcome. Hello, hello and welcome to the Carousel Podcast. Uh, I am here with David Piv Torak, uh, who we call Piv, a civil rights attorney and lover of uh, cowboy gear. We're doing the first ever um, recorded in studio on camera. So this is the, you'll, you'll probably be like the 51st episode. We've never actually okay. put all these pieces together, but here nice. we are. We're in the uh, Will Global Headquarters. But we're popping the IRL cherry. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we have our sponsor, Hestia, here. And cool. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I just watched you on Tucker. You are an attorney, and you are suing Amex. What that's you... that's yep. That's one of my cases. Okay. Suing the woke. Suing the woke. So let's hear about that case first, then we can get into your background. Yeah. So so basically, you know, when half the country uh, basically had that moment of temporary insanity, like yeah, well, exactly three years ago today. Um, so Amex decided to do what pretty much every other giant woke corporation did, you know, other than like the Portland progressives um, washing the feet of black strangers in the streets, you know, they didn't go that far. Um, basically you had the, the CEO of the company like went up in front of everybody and doing one of those zooms for the entire company, just showing them the demographics of uh, all the employees and saying, well, you see, Here's the percentage of black people in the company. Um, we're going to make that number go up, right? Yep. Basically, no no reference to, you know, according to all the civil rights laws and, and all that stuff. Um, none of that should happen. It was just like um, the percentage of blacks in the company is too low. We're raising it, right? And then and then it basically it, it led to this complete transformation of the whole culture and the policies within the company where you had um, people are telling me executives, high level executives were basically saying shit like, we're not hiring or promoting uh, white people anymore. Yeah, and they openly say it. Yeah. Openly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll never admit to this, but there are, there are multiple employees who heard this with their own ears, like in these uh, in these high level meetings. Absolutely. I mean, and you hear the same thing in Hollywood all the time. It's like, Every writer or actor in Hollywood, no matter how woke they are, will all admit, "Oh yeah, you know, my agent told me uh, we're not we're not uh, promoting we're not hiring white men right now for this job or that job." So we all know everybody in the entire friggin' country knows that this is happening at every level. Yeah, we all know it's it's real. People who say it's not real are completely lying. <clears throat> so look, you know, it's obviously real. The big question is, does it violate the Civil Rights Act? So what is the Civil Rights Act and what is the exact law insofar as hiring and discrimination goes? Okay, here we go. I'm a lawyer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I do know. So so you know this shit. Okay. (laughs) All right. So you know there's uh, there are basically several iterations of the Civil Rights Act. And, um, you know, if you want to go all the way back through history, really, it starts um, with the original one uh, with the with the 13th, 13th Amendment, right? So a lot of the laws that we're suing under are really based on the 13th Amendment, um, which outlaws slavery, but also it says, um, when you make contracts, right, private or uh, or even you know any any kind of contract, interpersonal contract, you're not allowed to discriminate based on race. And then you have the Civil Rights Act of 1866, which um, codified that. Um, and then you have the big one, right, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which L- LBJ signed, 
and uh, really essentially started um, this whole race essentialist, race communist state that we're living in now. Um, and that spawned um, Title VII, which is another one of the big cudgels that are used uh, against companies. And, you know, we can we can kind of go off on every tangent imaginable, but there's this like horrific thing, disparate impact theory, right? right? You, you know about that? Uh, I, I've heard of it, but what what is it? Okay, so that's that's part of um, it's kind of like a spawn, right? Because all these things, you have the law, right, and then you have um, this administrative blob yes. that's that gets spawned off of it, right? The Office of Civil Rights and all that, um, and they basically take the law, which the says managerial the managerial states, yes, right? yes, the, the, the administrative states, yeah. Yeah, 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 the Chevron yeah. Doctrine, which um, we're we're all hoping gets murdered um, by you know. Wait, what's the so Chevron Doctrine? So the Chevron Doctrine, um, it's it's like it's Supreme Court precedent that basically gives the administrative state the right to essentially legislate. Uh, they, they can make laws, right? Oh, right like yeah, you, you create the EPA. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Right, like so the Environmental Protection Agency is like, well, you know, here's. Here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make sure that yeah. you know Chevron doesn't pollute uh, Lake Tahoe, right? That they don't just spill a bunch of oil in Lake Tahoe. Um, well, then you have the EPA going. Well, you know, it's like this incrementalism. Right. They're like, okay, well, you know, we're not going to let Chevron um, spill a bunch of their sludge in Lake Tahoe, but. Hey, you know what, Isaac? Um, you know that piece of land you got, and you know, you know, you want to use uh, some weed killer on that. That kind of affects the environment, and you know, and they they hire these activists to write these uh, studies and these papers, and say, you know, you using weed killer around them, whatever the hell. Um, on your own property is going to affect the environment for, uh, you know, the surrounding properties, yada, yada, yada. And now the EPA is up your ass. Yeah. Wow. And, the, and the Chevron doctrine essentially says it, it gives them a pretty, pretty broad leash to control. Like if there's like any vague remote connection to the environment. Is there a test in there in the Chevron doctrine that says like, if you're doing this, it's okay. Like, you know, like three prongs or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, an, I, 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 I guess, it's yeah, it's like, like wait, <laughs> no, I <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm sure there is, but, some but yeah, there's, yeah, yeah the, there, there is some weird Supreme court formula, but you know, our, them expand. Our our hero, yeah, our hero Justice Thomas has uh, spoken out pretty harshly against that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty overtly. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that gets killed and the uh the administrative state gets reined in okay, so a lot. How do we get on here? Oh yeah, the uh the yeah. Civil Rights Act. Civil Rights. So we're yeah. Have you read Christopher Caldwell, uh, the Age of Entitlement? The Age of Entitlement. No, I haven't. I've heard oh, of it. Dude. I've, fantastic book all about how like the civil rights act is like the moment america became communist and it's like it all traces back to that it's like it okay. stopped being you know it basically stopped being a free country and started being a country that we had to um you know essentially employ the people they wanted and serve the people they want you know like it stopped everything that was this right of assembly and right of collectivity and right of free practice of religion essentially died and, and it, he traces it all back to uh, the Civil Rights Act, which is something that comes up uh, over and over again. And you're actually on the front lines fighting this thing. So um, I'm actually using it against the communists. That's what I'm saying. No, you're you're fighting this battle. Hoisting like, them right. their own petard. It, yeah. Exactly. No, you're you're fighting it where it needs to be fought because this law. OK, so what does the Civil Rights Act have to say today about workplace hiring and discrimination like mm. what is the rule that what is the rule that you're fighting for example okay yeah so by the way it's um hanania has like you oh, yeah. you read him on the, the silver is he is he kind of similarly aligned with with Caldwell? Caldwell? i'm sure he is yeah i think they're probably in the same area but i'm not okay. I'm, i yeah hanania i've seen him around that's that's all okay. i can say i've seen his tweets i gotta yeah, yeah. I, I gotta look into his stuff um 
Yeah, so let, let we'll circle back to disparate impact. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Like yeah. like in a sec, because this is this is actually related. So, uh, broadly speaking, the Civil Rights Act says you're not allowed to use race as uh, as a decision maker when you're hiring, promoting, making any kind of employment related decision. But right then you have this the uh, Supreme Court from the um, it was like mostly from the seventies and eighties like the Burger Court the Warren Court uh, so they basically created a loophole in the law that you can drive a tanker through and and the loophole is well quotas are illegal but goals are not illegal right aspirations are not illegal. Also, if you're a company and uh, you, for example, have some kind of history of, you know, racial discrimination uh, and it's, it's a field or industry with, with, with a history of some kind of segregation well, then you're allowed to use race-based decision-making to make up for that historical um, discrimination, right? So that's that's the giant, that's, um, that is, that is, yes, that, that's Supreme Court created. Yeah, come yeah. yeah, it's not, it's not in the statute, but it's in, so uh, the, the Office of Civil Rights, which in, it interprets and, or, or the EEOC, Right, the, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Um, they they're the administration that essentially enforces and interprets the Civil Rights Act. So what they do is uh, they take you know a lot of those Supreme Court precedents and they have these uh, decisions or rulings that that they submit and say. Well, this is basically the law now. This is what we suggest you do. And that allows the EOC to expand even the limitations of what the Supreme Court said. So the EOC can say, well, so this company right here, you see like you see them using these uh, percentages and numbers and stuff like that. And they're saying, well, you know, we hope that by 2023, um, our number of black employees in managerial positions is going to go up to 12% from 5%. And they're saying, well, it's a goal. So, you know, let, let have it, let them try. Just yeah. Yeah. So, so it's basically, it's, it's, re it's relieving, um, it's relieving the company and its managers from any culpability. Right. And it, it's just like, it, it's almost like having a, uh, like, like like a magic uh you know genie in a lamp and rubbing it and going okay we're gonna just magically make it go from five percent to twelve percent without yeah without an, implementing any racist policies it's just gonna it's just gonna happen we're gonna rub the lamp the genie's gonna pop out and boom the number of black employees are gonna go up to twelve percent magically yeah. and by the way no no we we haven't implemented any policies <laughs> what are you talking about we're not telling our managers to to explicitly hire. No, we're not doing. That. Yeah, uh, it's so that's it's, that's it's a fiction. It's a legal fiction. That's it's saying, right? precisely. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's yeah. it's yeah. It's magical magical thinking in yeah. its like wildest form. That's so uh, crazy. So that's that's essentially every corporation, man. Yeah. Okay. So what's the the um. It, impact thing you were saying oh uh that's right disparate impact yeah. so yeah so disparate impact is another oh man that's another brilliant fucking invention of the administrative state yeah. right so now um the civil rights act says you know you can't you can't have a policy that says we're not hiring people of x race or we're not promoting them that's that's the text, the explicit text. You can't you can't overtly discriminate, right? You can't start dropping end bombs um, at the office because yeah. that's yeah. it's clearly fucked up, mm -hmm. right? You can't do that. Um, everybody understands that. I think most you know uh, reasonable people agree with that. 
But what disparate impact does is essentially it perverts human nature and just the entire natural order by saying that if there is any statistical difference in you know the composition of your employees or hiring rates or anything like that, um, essentially that's evidence that whatever whatever policies you have in place, they're racist. Yeah, right. If there's a <laughs> if there's like... a statistical disparity, <laughs> that's just so insane. It's like Ray Ipsa. Right. It's like Ray Ipsa look, or it's like you're guilty if it happens. Like you don't yeah. need it. You're already guilty. Oh, like, dude. It's, it's, yeah. Like, it's like race. It's pure yeah. race communism. Yeah. It's just straight up. Yeah. Like if you have discriminated, if your numbers are what they say they are, which is just complete insanity. I mean, it's totally nuts. It's, Unbelievable. It's it's the reason that you know you have all these. Uh, who's it? Going back to Hanani, yeah. joking about it the other day. Uh, I think is Aaron Aaron Sibarium. You know the the reporter. No. He, he writes a lot about this stuff. He's great on Twitter. Uh, he breaks a lot of the stories. So he broke one last week for the Seattle Fire Department. Uh, basically, in order to pass the lieutenant's exam, part of that is you have to read and digest like 300 pages of Ibram Kendi oh, and Robin DiAngelo. <laughs> because, well, because... <laughs> Because fire is racist. Fire is really racist. It fire is racist. And the thing is, it, it is. I'm sure, like, if you look at the numbers, like, more black people die in fires. Uh, oh, man, that's so crazy. So then how are you? So it seems to me like the common law is set. Like, they've basically made this shit up. You you can't. It, they can do whatever they want. <clears throat> you can discriminate against white people, not against black people without a lawsuit. So how are you getting around this? Um. Well, you know, thankfully... Thankfully, we have some laws in place that that say uh, that at least put they put a governor on the bullshit, right? So in my case, it was you know it was amazing. I've never seen anything like it. I had people. We it's it's a national class action. So my my clients, the plaintiffs in this Amex case, are from all over. East Coast, West Coast, all over the place, and some of them had uh, similar similar managers, even though you know they weren't in the same office. But the way company was structured is like you can have a manager here, but they're overseeing people in in another state. And uh, the shit that these people tell me happened, right? And I know what happened because there's no way these people who live in different states who've never like seen each other, never talked to each other, um, are telling me the exact same thing by the exact same manager, right? Um, without ever having like seen or talked to each other. Yeah. So like, what, what very you're similar saying, allegations. Like clearly the orders are coming down from on high of like what to say, how to deal with this, how to like execute discrimination. That's what you're saying? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, they're, they're careful, obviously. There's no memo that went out that says, do don't, this. Do, yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. like, don't, you know, down with Whitey. Yeah. Um, nothing that explicit, but there were there were some overt statements in, in public that the whole company heard. And then there were smaller meetings where some of these higher level managers essentially said it. They said it out loud, right? Yeah. So again, the law says like you can't you can't overtly say it. You can't do it. And so if, if there's enough, yeah, if there's if there's enough evidence that they have been doing it, then doing it or saying it? Both, right? So they're they're saying it and then you have um so what would you be, you have the results, right? The proof is in the pudding. Sure, but what but but as you said, simply juicing the numbers right that's not going to make them guilty right because it, it it can't it's not like if you looked at the numbers and they way over hired black people which is i'm sure what they're doing that that alone would not be enough evidence right not necessarily but again you know disparate impact disparate impact, right yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. It, it it cuts you both can't ways. do that you it could cuts, use but disparate impact it both. cuts both ways yeah oh. so if there's yeah yeah so if there's you know if there's that's over great. over Clear discrimination. Yeah. 
um, then yeah, you can you can definitely use it against them. And and we have, right? So when the company says uh we're we're explicitly not or we're explicitly favoring one race over another, you know, all all the crazy laws notwithstanding that have been used, you know, against companies who were um accused of racism that weren't actually perpetuating it. Uh with in in our case, right, we're using it against a company that we're using those same tactics and those same strategies against a company that clearly is, has been. Yeah. Okay. So the evidence of the statements that they're doing it, which I'm assuming is like evidence of the program of discrimination. Yeah. Are those written or do you have to get them out of depositions? Well, it's, um, you know, the best evidence obviously is always direct evidence as I'm sure everybody learns that in law school, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. If you got if you got the guy on video, right, uh, doing the stabbing, then it's like, hey, it's <laughs> pretty good, right? But then the other kind is like the circumstantial evidence, where you have ten people show up and it's like, yeah, that that you know, we were we were at the party with the guy and he said he's, he's like, I'm gonna go stab him up. Yeah. <laughs> So you right? have a lot and, of and like, then he does, and they're like, okay, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you have like witness. Do you have witnesses that are not part of the class? So I'm 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 hesitant to reveal oh, yeah, okay, my, my entire legal strategy. But let's just say, like, I we broad strokes, we, broad we have strokes. stuff. Yeah, yeah. We, we definitely we're not we're not exactly. not flying blind here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, got it, got it. Of course. All right, all right, awesome. Well. I mean, dude, you're totally doing God's work. I, it's ob- It's just so, um, these are the things that we need to be doing. It's what we need to be fighting battles exactly on this front, I think, because um, that's what they've been so good at. You know, they've destroyed so many things because they know how to like hit those uh, weak points. And I think that this is such an obvious glaring weak point of theirs that you could just drive a truck through because it's like, their entire ideology and everything they do is based on non-discrimination, yet all they do is discriminate. So it's like, it's just so glaringly obvious that they're guilty of this. And it's like, okay, well, if you're going to tell people that they can't hire the company they want to hire, that has to go both ways legally. I mean, it just simply has to. So um, is there anything else you can say about like, about like, the hurdles you're going to face in this without getting into specifics. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give you a hurdle right now. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I told you this or not, but we just, we just finished submitting all our paperwork uh, for this motion that MX filed to send the case to arbitration. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know if I told you, but so this is um, we can thank uh, our, our hero Antonin Scalia for this yeah. one. I don't know how much you know about the the arbitration cases and all that, yeah. the Federal Arbitration Act. Uh, yeah, this was this was one of you know, as much as I love the guy, like he's he's one of my favorites. Scalia, yeah, like the best writer. Yeah, ha- yeah, like hands down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably like one of the best like legal writing books ever. Yeah, yeah one of the funniest, greatest guys, great opinions. But the one thing he severely fucked up and i don't know if it was like naivete i don't know if i can really accuse him of that but sort of the most uh egregiously unrealistic and uh just willfully blind opinions is is the uh tv concepcion opinion which essentially reasoned that if you know, giant company like AT&T or like say Google, right? Puts it in their 200 page terms of service oh, agreement yeah. that, you know, you have to, you have to settle your dollar and 50 cent dispute with the company through binding arbitration right. without, without, uh, without being able to submit it as a class action. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, and the Supreme court basically saying, it was like, well, just use another, you know, use another uh, email platform, 
or like get another get another uh oh i see yeah wireless phone provider you mean when you know this is like a terms of service thing that makes you do binding arbitration in any dispute and and says no class actions yeah so that's that was um that was the this series of cases where first uh they the supreme court basically said you know really no exceptions to the whole enforced arbitration angle right if it says it in the terms of service like well you should have you should have just negotiated with AT&T for a better contract yeah, if you at the ever, cell phone right? store <laughs> right yeah, yeah. like dear ma bell <laughs> i don't like it, right yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, just just insane. And then, yeah, so first it was like we're enforcing that. Then the California Supreme Court says, like, look, these these class action waivers are absolutely nuts. Yeah. No lawyer is ever going to take on a case for an individual client to arbitrate it over like two bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's the whole point of class action. So it was like a thousand people get together and right. the lawyer's like, okay, well, this yeah, makes worth it. This yeah, makes yeah. sense and this stops the company from ripping people off. Right. Yeah. And uh so the California Supreme Court got, you know, got got that right and said, you know, it's just uh it's completely bizarre to have it any other way. Supreme Court said, nope, Federal Arbitration Act says whatever, whatever the contract says. Yeah. Right. No, uh, no kind of equitable considerations. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, it's not unconscionable, which is, which is the biggest defense to, uh, arbitration agreements, unconscionability is saying that, uh, this is, you know, the, the terms are so one-sided and egregious that there's no, one there's no way. We can, yeah. Like we should, yeah, you can't enforce it. Um, so, so that was, you know, Scalia's greatest hits basically, screwing over consumers <laughs> until until they figure this one out. So so that's what that's what these companies are doing. So with with our cases, almost every major employer in the country, including Amex, makes their employees sign these forced arbitration agreements saying, uh, you can't do a class action, you can't litigate your claims in court where the public would actually have access to the materials and the witnesses and see what these companies are doing. Yeah. yeah. And the, yeah, the corporations are basically keeping out of the class action realm, keeping it out of court, yeah. forcing it into private arbitration, which, which is what we're fighting now. So can you take a class to private arbitration? No, because you can't do that either. Because, because the contract does not allow class actions. Wow. Right. So where you have a case that's right, where so essentially what they want you to do is to litigate the same case a thousand times, oh essentially God. make it impossible. Yeah, they're right. They would never be. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to arbitrate every single time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you're proving the same case a thousand times is so their goal is just make you yeah. throw your hands up and say, All right, fuck it, I give up. Yeah. 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 And not make you do it. So we just finished submitting our uh, all our filings in our uh like our, our motion work to the court arguing that this particular case should not be sent to arbitration and i think we've got we got a pretty damn good argument for unconscionability it's unconscionability and there's this this we're getting really into the weeds here yeah. so everybody nobody's gonna want to hear this shit, but <laughs> no dude this is hey this is, our people are smart you know All we right. want to get into yeah this. yeah you lawners you're gonna yeah <laughs> Get get yeah, get the Vaseline launders. <laughs> so yeah, there's uh there's this doctrine in California, California Supreme Court created doctrine called the McGill rule. Uh and and essentially it says that if if a particular arbitration agreement prohibits the plaintiffs from seeking a public injunction, not just in court, but even in the arbitration itself that contract is void because it's against California's public policy of allowing people to seek public injunctive relief. Meaning meaning yeah. an injunction that's for the general public. Yeah. Meaning so like stopping racism in a giant corporation helps not just that individual employer who's suing, it helps everybody, helps yeah. all Californians. Right. Helps everybody in the company, helps people outside the company, right? The community. 
they're like, oh, cool. Well, you know, they're not a bunch of racist dirtbags anymore. Yeah. Um, so any, yeah, any contract that prohibits that kind of relief is, is void. void. It's yeah, void. Got it. Oh, that's great, man. But, but that's a California, how can you apply that to federal if that's a California thing? Uh, because we have, we have uh California federal claim. Uh, sorry. We have California claims. Uh, right. So we're. We have a we have California plaintiff. We have plaintiffs. Oh, I see. We have plaintiffs who did did a lot of work in California. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so their work affects basically all of California. Yeah, I see. I see. So yeah, so under under the uh, unfair business practices law and even the the California version of the Civil Rights Act, the the fair employment. The UNRWA. The the FIHA, the Fair Employment and Housing Act. UNRWA, UNRWA, yeah, UNRWA is like the the non employment version oh, okay, of, the, of the Civil Rights Act. Yeah, yeah. FIHA is the California version of Title Seven. I see that. Yeah, that ver that that portion of the Civil Rights Act. Wow. So this is complicated. It's oh man, yeah. It's it's fun though. Yeah. And, and there was like, and there was there's a case that just came down from one of the California courts of appeal specifically on the issue that we argued it's a case against tesla funny enough uh, right and the plaintiffs there had a very similar contract that said no public injunctive relief and the the court of appeal in that case said well you know racial discrimination in the workplace affects like that's the definition of a injunction for the benefit of the public stopping racial discrimination in this company helps all californians yeah so you're using and that was like them. right on. Point. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. So yeah, so you get to use that against them too. Well, wow, man, this is such a behemoth of a case. So how did you decide to take something like this on? I mean, it seems like this is city. I can't believe lawyers everywhere aren't doing this all the time because it's right. It's so obvious. It's just so. So how did you decide to do this? I just, you know, I just reached a breaking point. Yeah. Frankly. Um, it was yeah, like summer summer of Saint Floyd. Uh the the insanity was just it was just too much for me. Yeah. I was, you know, I was a personal injury lawyer for for my entire practice. Really? I did personal injury, I did um class action litigation, you know, little uh, employment like just very basic but you basic knew basic classes. litigation. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. done. I was doing class action, yeah. consumer class action litigation, for a long time. But it was, you know, my work was zero, zero percent political. I was just, I was just having fun litigating, and then the country lost its damn mind, and you know the the targets and the Amexes of the world were posting black squares and basically running roughshod uh, over employees who were born, you know, with the sin of having white skin right yeah and i just like i couldn't take it. i filed i filed actually the first um the first case i believe in the country uh against critical race theory really so yes. i've been yeah yeah so i've been i've been studying this shit forever yeah you know, uh since since college basically but viscerally it was always in me because like i was telling you i was i was born in the soviet union i saw I saw what actual communism does, the the tribalism and you know the balkanization of people into different groups, and it was just drilled into my head from from like basically you know since I was like this tall, it was just drilled into my head how to like you know just like this is communism, this is collectivism, like this is how you spot it. So, so yeah. my entire life, yeah. as as this was percolating in this country, you know, it's been percolating for decades, yeah. like right under the surface, and yeah. a lot of people you know, didn't really see the overt signs or didn't want to, but it was, you know, for me and my family, it was like, oh, this, like, like we we see what's We've happening. Seen this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it just, uh, yeah, it just felt like. Maybe, yeah, it wasn't like quite 2015, but right around that time, it really amped up. And then, and then 2020, it just, the walls came up. Remember that, remember that old movie, uh, fuck, what was it? I don't know. How old are you? 
38. Okay, so this is like we're we're about the same age. So this is right right around your time. The Gate. Remember that movie? That old horror movie? No. It was like it was like late eighties, early nineties, where they had the, the the terrible like Muppet Gremlins, and it's like <laughs> and it's like this gate opens up in this kid's backyard, and just like all the ghouls and goblins come pouring out, <laughs> and just the portal opens and like fucking yeah, just just hell breaks wide open, and these kids are supposed to, so that's what that's what twenty twenty was like. Yeah, all the demons just let loose. You saw what was happening for for real. Yeah, and there's so many reasons for like why that is. So <clears throat> you came up in. Soviet Russia. Yeah, I've always said, like, looking around, the country is going to end up being saved by Cubans and people like you who saw yeah. they, who escaped <laughs> here because they saw communism and they know what it looks like because the most everyday Americans, they don't we only have that bred into us for Nazism. Right. That's the only thing we have that like hair trigger built that's, in for. That, you know, you know what? I mean? That's a great point. Yeah. We don't have it for certain communism because they don't teach it to us. Like we don't know. No, ask any kid in like a public school who Stalin is. They'll be like, I don't know. I have no idea. They won't know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like Hitler obviously is like, our, you know, everybody knows like, don't do that. Um, and, you know, when actually both of those things are, you know, all of Orwell's writing is about both of those things. It's about, you know, uh, it's about Nazism and it's about Stalinism, more or less. So what kind of things, I mean, when you're saying balkanization of groups, what kind of things did you see? Grow, do you remember things specifically from growing up or just your family has these stories? Yeah. I mean, I remember being called a kike when I was in <laughs> kindergarten, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or the Zhid, you know, that's 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 what it was in Russian. Was it? Zhid, yeah. Zhid, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. like so. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I remember that. Although, you know, I did, I had it, I had it really easy compared yeah, compared to, to my dad. Yeah. And, and my parents and my grandparents, like, I had it easy. You know, we left when I was super young. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like six or seven. So I only... I only experienced like like a tiny tiny taste of that. Yeah, yeah. But it was yeah, you could you could tell it was it was different and then just the really seeing the uh the want right and the the deprivation yeah. of living there and just stand I stood in bread lines. Wow. Like I remember was that what that was like. I remember because my my grandfather was a WW2 vet serving in the red army um he had this like special ration where he would get uh a few bananas a month because right? he was a vet because he was yeah it was like a special allocation for vets and he had you know like a like a bushel of bananas a month yeah and that was the greatest luxury you can possibly imagine <laughs> that's crazy bananas right yeah so when we show up when we show up to, we landed in New York. Uh, we stayed with my with my uncle's family for a while, and one of the first places they took us to was Times Square. So, can you imagine just going from bread lines and just empty shelves and nothingness, and then just that and everything? Right? Yeah. I remember having like pizza for the first time. Yeah, Dude, they had they had orange juice in their fridge. I thought, I thought my mind, like as a little kid, yeah, it was like my mind was gonna explode, it was like orange juice. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's wild, like the difference. So, um, and now ironically, it's all those brands from the grocery store that are leading the communist charge. You know, isn't that so funny? That yeah, yeah. that's well, you know, they're. Uh, Back back there, uh, it was it was a very similar arrangement, right? If you were at the top of the food chain, like sure, everything was supposed to be equitable and uh, rationed, right, controlled, but the party gave very special allotments and assignment, right? Because somebody had to to man the grocery store. So here you think of somebody who owns a grocery store. Well, it's like, you know, some some poor immigrant who doesn't have the education. They have nothing, no other prospects. They open a grocery store, right? It's hard living, incredibly difficult. Margins are tiny. Uh, but over there, the most loyal people to the party got the grocery assignment. Yeah. Because when they got the shipment, 
they had to be things disappeared trusted, things right? disappeared yeah. off the truck and you know that went to your friends and the other party members yeah so the grocery guy was like the the c-suite exec <laughs> over there yeah, right, that's right, the dude right, right, right. you dude, want it to be that guy yeah um, it's so funny how things i i when i went to cuba part of my red pilling was uh going to cuba and i saw this was you know 10 years ago now and the first piece i ever wrote for vice was about me going to cuba and we hung out with this group of surfers who are already like outlaws because you're not allowed to surf because as soon as you really? post, well if you surf they think you're floating you're gonna all the surf. way <laughs> <laughs> they think that you're gonna keep going so you can't surf to begin with but you know each of these guys had a totally different job one was a pharmacist and one was like a like line cook like it was so weird because it was like a bunch of dudes who like here you those people would never hang out with each other it was like a doctor hanging out yeah. with a lion cook and a waiter and then like a pharmacist and they all just said oh yeah my entire existence i go to work maybe like once or twice a week whenever i feel like it because there's no punishment for not like nothing happens if i don't go to work and they were like my whole goal for going to work is just to like see what shit i can steal Mm -hmm. So the pharmacist was like the king because he was like, I have access. Yeah, I can just take as many drugs as I want. You know, that that's what I do. It's And it was just so weird to see that flattened society. And it was just so dead. It was like this dead. You go to Cuba. It's horrible. It's, it's yeah. so funny that like Americans like come back. It was, it was great. It is. Nothing's open. There's no restaurants. Do you know there's no people don't realize there is no restaurants. There's like two restaurants and they're owned by the government right. and they serve you like canned vegetables. It's disgusting. And so a couple of people have like restaurants in their houses that are like technically illegal, but they're terrible. It's like yeah. disgusting. There's no dancing. There's no like bar life. It's just this like dead place. Where'd you go? You know, I went to just Savannah, okay. Havana and like the surrounds, but uh, have you ever been? No, no. Yeah, I, yeah. I really want to go because... Yeah. Yeah, because everything everything I hear about is like the opposite of that. No, it's people are. There's like, oh, they're you know they're happy and they're like full of life. No, they're not. Vibrance could not be <laughs> fucking further from the truth. Where, what are <laughs> these? Where are these people going? Like, what are they seeing? They're just people are just idiots. Like they don't people don't pay attention. Yeah, when they're traveling. They just think what they're supposed to think, so they don't actually listen and look around. But you go to like a public square in Cuba. There's no one in it. It's just like an empty. It's just like dead. There's nobody. I'm sure. I'm sure if you're an actual Cuban, there's probably some like good parties and stuff, right? Because there's, you know, there's got to be some kind of life. But for just a tourist, there's nothing. There's nothing there. It's just horrible restaurants, you know, a couple bars, but very dead, very ordered. And so, you know, that's when you start to realize like this whole shit is just a disaster. You know, like communism in general. It's just a horrible horrible way to organize your society it just doesn't work yeah that's that's <laughs> sad man i mean i i still want to go there yeah no you should that, go you should go it's because it's education i just need you know? to yeah yeah i'd love yeah. i'd love to see it and it's i'm sure you know again i'm sure if you there's certain areas that can be good but um so so how come more people don't you know like why aren't you running for office or something like more people need to know who you are like what's what's going that's, on you were on tucker yeah. So how did that come about? Like where I feel like this fight you're fighting is like epic and like this is massive. This is yeah. a big deal. I think, yeah, I, I guess people, pe nobody watches Newsmax and oh man. <laughs> That's true. That's, Unfortunately. I'm there like, I'm, I'm on there every week. Really? <laughs> oh man. We get, it's, yeah. Yeah. They, they invite me on. Like they, they want to hear about my cases. Yeah. Uh, I was just, yeah, I was just on uh, Newsmax talking about, I got a case against the Brentwood school. Oh, okay. So yeah, tell tell us about that. Uh, so yeah, so that one. Oh, you're doing that. Yeah. I think have you, have I you heard. heard of, have I you think I heard that? about that separately from you, actually. Because oh, of, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, that, that's my case. Oh yeah, I just read about that totally separately from you. That's so funny. Oh wow. Okay, that's you. That that is funny because that this case has been ongoing for I want to say like a year and a half at this point. Yeah. And it's been. It, it's been written up extensively uh, by Fox and I think the post and I've, I've made, I made a bunch of appearances uh, on that, on that case, on that subject. But last week, Bloomberg published it. Oh yeah. I just saw it. And it, cause it's a dad, it's mm -hmm. like a Jewish, a Jewish dad, dad yeah. Jewish dad. Right. And he's saying, 
discrimination, similar thing, right? It's it's very similar. It's it's more interesting, and it sort of it loops in um, the connection between between DEI and anti-Semitism. Right. Yeah. Which, which is the end game of all of it. I've always said. Yeah. 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 I always say you know yeah. extremism, uh, far left, far right variety. It always convert the horseshoe always converges on <laughs> anti-Semitism. Because it's like, look, all right, you want to count. This is what I say to every Jewish person. You want to start fucking counting white people? They're just gonna start counting Jews too. And once they start doing that, it's not gonna look too good. That's you know? not, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna that's, look that's not too a good bad. end game for you us. Know, you start counting the privilege, <laughs> trust me. It's gonna look very bad. So yeah, and you know, anyway, this is what I say to my yeah. I'm I'm Jewish also. This is I'm constantly fighting with. I have a rabbi, a Chabad rabbi. I'm constantly fighting it's because you know he's this very more classic type of Jew. He's always defending, and I'm like, no man, you start yeah. pointing your finger at the white Christians, they're gonna point it back at you, and it's gonna go very badly. You know. Anyway, sorry. Keep, well, no, keep yeah, going. no, nobody. That's yeah. the problem. Nobody studies this. Nobody, yeah. nobody actually looks into it, and I've. You know, New York, L.A., San Francisco. I'm I'm surrounded by liberal Jews yeah. my entire life. Yeah, same. right. All the <laughs> Jews I know, like ninety percent of the Jews I know, are liberal. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking? It's have you have you have you read one of their texts? Yeah. <laughs> have you have you looked into what they're trying to do? Yeah. Like, have you have you seen the uh, what is it the um, the ethnic studies curriculum that yeah. they were pushing here? Yeah, in yeah. California. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it. What is it? Yeah, was sure I've seen something. Yeah, it was it, it was basically blood libel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like this, this this is what you people want, but yeah. but you know I get it because it's been uh, the Jews have been so connected to the civil rights movement yeah, exactly. for for decades in this country for half a century, and so they think they think this is the same thing, right? And that's it's the sort of the 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 unthinking lazy version uh of of them virtue signaling essentially right they don't they don't actually do the work they just want to connect themselves to the good guys well and and we there's a certain thing about being jewish even from the very beginning of our history um of being the like you know the outsider who's against the mainstream right so it's like i think i think True, in, yeah. in every jew including me and you we're doing the same thing also yeah in our, in our own in way our own way we're just ahead of the curve we're just right. way ahead like but you know but that that's also a way to be a more holy person is yeah. to, to fight for truth and justice and you know and seeing uh, you know, goodness in these circumstances, fighting for the people who are, as you're doing, uh, really have no voice. Like, you know, no one has less of a voice in this country than white working class people. But they have no voice. They're totally, totally ignored At by this point, everybody. Yeah. So we have a natural, like, we're drawn to these fights just as Jews, period. We're, you know, in all of history, we're always involved in all these movements. But it's like, now we're really getting split. I think we really, Trump was the perfect... The reason why Trump went won was because he split the Jews very well. He hmm. split the Zionists, like the hardcore, like right wing Jews, and the left wing Jews, and he like perfectly split them down the middle. Dude, those videos yeah. from like from uh, Crown Heights and Borough Park. Yeah, have you seen those? No, oh, the Trump the, people, the Hasidim just they with love the, Trump. dancing. Yeah, and, they, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> they love it. No, same here, dude. I hang out in Pico here with those guys, the most base motherfuckers in the world. And this is what I'm always telling to like the you know the actual racist like anti-Semitic frog Twitter guys. I'm always like, guys, they love me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, guys, like you have to understand, like the most base people I know by far are Hasids. You know, yeah. like they split up men and women. It's like you could not find more base people. Um, but so, okay. So what's happening with the Brentwood case? So, yeah, yeah. So that case, uh, where, okay. Where did that start? So again, of course, summer of say, starts where everything be <laughs> starts yeah. with these cases, uh, summer St. Floyd, uh, Brentwood school, you know, but it's, it's along with Harvard Westlake, probably the, the most, sort of uh expensive um high class private school in LA or or one of them one of the most exclusive ones 
And when, uh, when my client, uh, Jerry, when he enrolled his daughter there, they had, they had a great curriculum. Uh, he was promised, you know, classically liberal education. They were going to read Shakespeare and, you know, Twain and kill a mockingbird. Like, right. like basically the, the exact kind of education that our future elites uh, need to get as they propel their way to the top of the professional managerial class. Right. <laughs> they were, they, you know, they were, they were offering, they were offering the, um, the straight shot, right. The, uh, the Harvard express. And, you know, that's, that's what these parents want, right. Like a bunch of, you know, uh, I think, uh, was name our almost mayor's kid went there. A bunch of celebrities, kids yeah. went there. Um, the Caruso's kid went? Caruso's. Yeah. I think Caruso's kid was there. Uh, who's it? The, I think the Maroon Five oh, guys, yeah, so like it, you know the who the schools are who's who. Anyway, so so he enrolls a daughter there first year. It's exactly what you expect. Then uh, George Floyd happens, and all of a sudden they're like, "Our school is racist. We need to do you know we need to bring in a, a DEI professional to reevaluate our school, like top to bottom, right? One of these consultants." That's going to do a comprehensive, uh, you know, essentially like the uh, the 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 Ghostbusters, you know, racism scan, yeah. right, <laughs> of of the blackboard, yeah, uh, the social studies books, like, yeah, so 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 Jerry, uh, my my client, and uh, a bunch of the Jewish parents. They, they understand the DI anti-Semitism connection. They get a little worried. So they're like, well, every, every other ethnic group and identity group has a uh, affinity group in the school. Um, let's start a Jewish one, right? Cause they're the ones, they're the ones that really have an input on what this DI character is going to do. Right. So the affinity groups have a lot of input. So what is an affinity group? So yeah, so the affinity groups is you know like uh, where it's it's where at at companies or schools or anywhere else uh, people again get to balkanize themselves by their identity. So there's like the black affinity group. There's the Pacific Asian Pacific Islander Hispanic, the LGBT yeah. you know, QA, XYZ plus whatever, right? So so it's yeah it's it's identity group balkanization. And and these groups had a lot of sway at the school about the, the policies, the curriculum, all of that. Um, and they were going to have a lot of input about this DI person. So the Jewish parents were like, hey, what about us? And uh, from, from my understanding, what we allege in the case is that they pumped the brake. The school pumped the brakes on them. Really? They yeah, just sand, sandbagged them. You would think because, you know, I can't believe pretty, pretty, uh, yeah. pretty large percentage of the school yeah. is, is Jewish. Probably but majority It's, yeah, if, if not very close. Yeah. But yeah, they were like, they really, you know, pumped up, like sandbagged them. Really? Kept them, yeah, delayed, delayed, delayed until it, until so it was weird. too late. That's so weird. I wonder why. Well, because they, they kind of they kind of knew the parents' feelings on this stuff. They knew which parents? The Jewish parents' feelings. They knew the Jewish parents, like, they they really didn't want this stuff to go too far. And, of course, um, when when they got when they got sandbagged and couldn't do the group, but, uh, you know, they brought in the DI person by the time it was too late. So you get uh, Shakespeare's out, Killing Mockingbird is out, because oh that's God. that's racist. So you get, you know, racist baby. Yeah, by Ibram Kendi. Oh yeah, anti-racist. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> baby, anti-racist baby. So yeah. yeah, so you get that in the school. Um, all of a sudden they're doing like these handouts where like you know the circles of white supremacy. Um, and then the best part is they start. You might have heard about this where they started doing the racially segregated uh meetings for the parents. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it blew up on Twitter like a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. when all this was happening. So well, yeah, no, keep going. And that, yeah, and and that was that was in a way the last straw where you had you had black parents meeting, white parents meeting, right? Yeah, Hispanic, Jewish parent meeting, right? And and then after it blew up, after these meetings had actually happened, 
then the school kind of backtrack and they're like, no, 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 no. anybody can attend the black meeting. Uh, right. I see. But they, uh, but they banned allegedly. the Jewish meeting. They said you could. They, they, ban they banned the affinity group. They've, okay. Okay. I see, I see. Were they, were they, you know, they, they delayed it long enough for it to be, for, for it to be no longer relevant. Um, and then instead of letting the, uh, the Jewish parents pick their own like faculty advisors and stuff like that, um, they chose the school, put their own in, their own people in, their insiders. Yeah. yeah Whereas yeah. like every other group got to choose their, choose own, their own. I see. I see. So this seems like an open and shut case because with the, I mean, the, right? I mean, if it's straight up anti-Jewish discrimination, you, you got to win. I mean, like, how are they going to defend that? It, everything, yeah, every, everything is pretty pretty straightforward. Pretty like straightforward, you treated yeah. this group like this, you treated the Jews like this, right? Yeah. So like, how are you gonna get away with that? They can't I mean the, no way. Even no matter how much they might hate white people, like they can't they can't get away with it with Jewish people. Wow man. That's Dude, another one in arbitration. What which that's another arbitration. What school oh, had an arbitration clause. Do, oh Jesus. So that's yeah. So so I can't really say I can't say yeah no, no. what's going on in the case because it's it's secret arbitration but is that a class or is that just one guy? um no no it's individual case so that's not as bad like you could do arbitration for that and yeah yeah it's yeah. still it's not it's not as good because yeah. you don't get all the advantages of litigation yeah, yeah uh but it's you know it's still it's still doable dude this is amazing so this has like become your thing like now you are like doing this all the time and only three years I, ago yeah three years ago you weren't doing any of this i wasn't yeah i wasn't i wasn't taking on cases that were like this uh high profile yeah it definitely wasn't so was it tough to get that first i mean did you just that first class what was your first one that you did the first one was against the um california department of fish and wildlife oh they were yeah they were they were one of the first to say nature is racist yeah uh because like brett brett weinstein did a did a podcast on yeah. like uh showing our complaint and the allegations in our complaint it is him him and his wife just going jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> they're doing what they're saying what yeah like they had yeah man it, it's great because i'm i'm a guy i'm a guy who hunts and fishes all the time like really? i'm out yes. there yeah and they had like the the director of fish and wildlife out there going um well minorities don't use nature like minorities aren't aren't out there fishing and i was like bro i've been i've been out there up and down the coast and white people are the minority <laughs> hispanic and asian people yeah. Right? yeah 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 they love the fishing right yeah right. like yeah v, like vietnamese yeah. uh, hispanics oh, like they're they're the they're the majority yeah um but but you know of course they had to they had to justify what they were doing yeah so that was my first case but we uh, of course we got a woke judge in LA who um who tossed out the case and wow. who I later found out was one of the heads of the LA Superior Court uh BI program. Yeah. Wow. Go figure. Total corruption. So that was number one. That was yeah, yeah, that was my first one. Yeah, but then you kept on kept on going. I just it was yeah, I mean, you know, honestly it was uh most most of it i i really got to give props to james Lindsay, yeah and uh and chris rufo yeah people are down Those on Lindsay right now Lindsay's down rufo's up people don't like Lindsay because of this his his gay stuff he's he's controversial yeah Lindsay yeah. Lindsay is very controversial and honestly i think he he ends up being right like 95 percent of the time well did you see this thing he said though when was it was it like He's, over the weekend last week he everybody in my little corner uh really hates him because he was saying like we have to accept the loss on the trans thing or something i don't know if you saw this yeah, yeah last, no, last week everybody was really all mad <laughs> very mad says, at it he says some crazy shit. These yeah. us, man. like the, i i, I am so not dramatic like yeah. people are always starting trying to like vaguely start dramas with me i don't do drama on twitter i really don't care but i just saw last week uh, okay he, what he was do you remember like exactly what it was so you'd have to look it up but i think more or less what he was saying i couldn't really even tell what he was saying he had all kinds of diagrams was it the turn the other cheek yeah. thing 
Mm, I remember. I, think, I, remember I think he was trying that. to say that, like, maybe what he was trying to say is that we have to like lose on the gay thing, but not lose on the trans thing, and it's like separating mm. those two. I think maybe that's what it was. I think he was saying you have to separate uh, those two. Oh, dude, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that one hundred percent. Agree with that. They, see that the reason why it's tough to agree with that though is because. Obviously, I don't care. Like, again, I don't care. I, I was in Vanity Fair saying this exact thing. If you want to fuck dudes, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Go, go for it. Do it all day. I have, you know, many gay friends. It makes no difference to me. It's more the, uh, you can't, you can't force everybody else to. You know, you can't then demand that everybody also see it the way you do. I mean, we have a sure. religious fundamentalist yeah. in this country. They have to be able to raise their kids in whatever weird way they can. They can't do that if your school is, you know, forwarding this agenda on them all the time. You got to just keep that shit out of it. So that's where, where it's just like, I agree. Look, I think that the, the trans question is so crazy just so insane that it's like it's actually going to be a huge win for us but the guys on the right they're so sick of losing because look Mm. what what is mold bug all about right mold bug is about answering this one very very difficult question to answer which is why does the leviathan always move left how come on every single social issue it's just going mm-hmm. leftward forever. And it's like, we start way back here. And then 10 years later, it's like, oh, how could anyone have been against gay marriage? Right, and then right. 10 years later, it's like, like, even though most people were, they, why did they win on every single social issue forever? And they have like for, you know, since the civil rights, some people yeah. actually market to the Civil Rights Act. Other people market to FDR and the New Deal. But uh we can yeah, this up. we can also wrap this up get, really soon. oh no no, no. Um, i'm just i'm just gonna yeah, we should, the, anyway, the but uh i forget to turn off the notification no it's all good so i the think that does being stupid no no worries so that's the fear people have this fear of the of like oh you lose this one and then oh you're just gonna lose this this one again you know if you lay down on this one you're gonna lay lose on the next one. so they're like yeah yeah i I, I get a lot of people think it's like it's just the tip mentality yeah right, right. Like, yeah exactly. i i, I get exactly. that right <laughs> over and over again right? yeah 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 and, and if, if if you view everything as just the tip mentality like yeah. sure you get closer and closer to the wall and then you yeah. look up and you're like oh now that there's a there's a disgusting ghoul on TV saying, telling your kids, come out, come yeah. out. And you're like, how the <laughs> fuck did this happen? It's, you yeah. know, like, wait, where did this, like, that can't be, how did we get here? You know, like, yeah, yeah. So, For me, I'm, I'm just like, just leave the gays alone. Like, they're, they're by, they're probably my favorite people in the world. Okay. You I was like, I was like, if I move to a neighborhood, I want all my neighbors to be gay. Cause, cause you, you know, what's going to happen to the property value in my neighborhood. It's going to go up well, yeah. at least formally. I mean, I'm, I've always lived in gay neighborhoods myself, so I, I can't, uh, I can't, I can't deny, but I will say though, also, it's not fair. You have to allow people to be religious fundamentalists. Yes. And if you, if yep. you try and disrupt that, it's you can't have that. You yeah. Know? I mean, you can't force them to believe this is the way it should be. You know, if somebody wants to believe in the Bible, you got to let them do that. You can't. I yeah. Think. Like you can't. You can't want both. And I've seen this argument going on. Like you can't want simultaneously the normalization, but also the special treatment. Right. Right. Yeah. If, that's you, want, if you want normalization, you don't you don't get to parade around yeah. with your flag like in the school. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, just just. Just be, just live. And right. most, uh, a lot of my gay friends are like the most conservative, like based people totally. I know. Totally. They're just like, leave me the fuck alone. Right. Well, and a lot and of like, don't include me in that stuff. I mean, my personal belief is that gay people didn't actually really want to be exactly like, there's something about homosexuality that is always and always should be slightly like uh, risque. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I, I think they like that. Like, and I don't think they ever want it to be really like exactly the same. You know, I think they want it to always be like a little behind closed doors, like a little dark, you know, and that's fine. Mm. Like, I think that that's fine, but you're right. It's like, okay, if you're going to say we want this to be completely normalized, then you're right. Then you have to stop the special, the special treatment side of it. I think that that's a good, good way to put it. And I think you're right. All of my gay friends are super 
like I can talk, I can be so homophobic with them. Like they don't, you know, they think it's hilarious. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's a funny thing. Cause you're, you're bros. Right. Exactly. That, it's like, who that's cares? what you make fun of. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Um, okay. Well, dude, this was really, really great. What well, I mean, man, are you going to run for office? We'll see. I'm with Give you. Me, send me that dark money. man. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get somebody like you out there, man. Hey, I'd love to. Dude, we got to make this happen. Although I think politicians are scum of the earth. So yeah. True. Yeah, just cut cut that and clip it when I'm, <laughs> when I'm oh, running. That's good. <laughs> we want you to say that. <laughs> yeah, I just man, I, I I feel like being a lawyer. You know, I'm already like here. I don't want to. <laughs> no, but hey, that you're on the path, right? I mean, a couple wins, couple wins in this. Have you had any yet? What? Oh, the case wins yet? Wins. Um, we're not not in not in this field because. It's so well, new. Yeah, and you just started. I mean, yeah. this case is taken. Yeah, we, we had like we had a couple like letters and then going like, all right, all right. Yeah. Like nothing. So yeah, nothing, nothing big, but oh, you'll get there, man. Small incremental. Yeah. Like you'll get most there. of my cases are just starting. We're like right getting to either the beginning of discovery or getting through it. Yeah. Um, so you know this shit takes forever. Yeah. No, I don't so, take for fucking forever, especially these classes. Yeah, so hopefully we'll have some wins to report pretty soon. Oh, you will, man. I have no doubt. Um, all right, man. Well, dude, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. <laughs>